Welcome to this new Triple V podcast episode, covering the most recent town hall. All right. Hi, Christian. Thank you for Hello. joining. How is everybody? How's your, how's your voice? <laughs> doing pretty well. It's a little low <laughs> comparatively, but it's doing well. All right. Glad to hear. Okay, let's wait for a few more people to join. And in the meantime, I'm going to pull up the stats of who already got whitelisted for their shark. Okay, one moment. I think I have to restart Discord before it shows me the right numbers. So in the meantime... Uh, while I'm looking up the names, please do me a favor and like and retweet our event so we get the right exposure and we reach those people who might have missed the announcement and everyone is ready to listen in. So currently we have eight members who got whitelisted to mint their shark in phase three and that's Arthur who also goes by the name of Shaibas who could coincidentally enough holds the emerald dolphin then we have Blue Returns who has become part of the team by leading the community research then we have Joseph JX13 who has helped us in many MAs with this plethora uh, of smart questions. Then we have Carol Flaming K, who also has become part of the team. He has helped me with a lot of different things, um, mostly scraping data. And he has done a tremendous job. Uh, I, I have, uh, <laughs> he's delivering so fast that I always have troubles in keeping up with everything. Um, but we do um, have a plan in place to arrange AMAs with VVV on other Twitter accounts. So Carol was kind enough to scrape Twitter um, by certain keywords and by certain topics. And we now have a list which has been um, assembled by him and a few other people. And now we're going to go through the list and going to contact uh, certain individuals with a degree of reach on Twitter. And then we're going to go on a marketing campaign to spread the word about what VVV is doing, what our community is up to, and also about the upcoming deals. Now, next on the list is Masih slash Masak. He also has provided a lot of insights and good questions for the AMAs, but he also has assembled a couple of um, research reports on different projects. And we, we greatly appreciate his initiative to always provide value. Then next up is Romy slash APEP, who has become one of the biggest whales in our, uh, for our collection. He went in many, many times to sweep the floor and the shark is very well deserved. He has been one of our strongest supporters and that's always very much appreciated. Then we have Saul. Big Dog, who also 
um, now is part of the team. He's also supporting us uh, in many different aspects, also very engaged in the community and another spot very well earned. And last but not least, we have Toby slash Wurstpower, who is also incredibly active in the server, um, very critical and very analytical about all the opportunities we arrange. And we love critical voices and we love people who have the right drive to keep us moving forward. Now, that list of eight people is not complete. There's still a couple of members who are going to receive their roles. But in the meantime, I would encourage everyone to drop the members in the Twitter comments who they think deserve a shark role and give us like two, one, two sentences as to why they deserve the role. And then we're going to go through everyone and we're going to read all comments and we're going to go ahead and grant the respective wireless spots whenever we either think it's deserved or whenever the community agrees that a certain individual should make it. And the topic of becoming a shark ties right into the next thing which we have planned, where Christian was kind enough to support me with. Because what I think would be very interesting for the community is to set something up where we have a discussion about the learnings and the purpose of the academy. And there hasn't been any new homework recently, but there's going to be a lot more and there's going to be a lot more lessons. And there's also going to be farther down the road, a system where you have to gradually unlock content after completing the lessons. And there's a, there's a system and the logic behind everything we do in the academy. And I think having that conversation in an interview style with Christian, that's going to make it a little bit more obvious as to why the academy even exists in the first place and why it's so important to not just focus on the gains from crypto, but also focus on crafting yourself into an individual that's also supposed to be successful. And I'm going to touch on the topic a little bit later. Um, I'm going to hand it off to Christian. Um, I mean, Christian, maybe you can also introduce yourself and, um, you know, go a little bit over what you see in VVV and why you became involved in the first place. And then we can jump into the questions. Sure, absolutely. Thank you um, so much for having me and um, greetings, everyone. My name is Christian uh, Squaba, and along with Exec and Ryguy, I'm one of the VVV Academy mentors. Um, one of the things that really impressed me uh, about VVV from the start is Sean's focus on the Academy and on bringing people up, um, on helping others learn how to succeed um, as he has succeeded and what to do when we inevitably fail and, and have to pick ourselves up and move forward. Um, the VVV Academy really brings lessons from various professionals, luminaries and business giants and distills them into material that can be directly discussed and applied by our members um, who choose to better themselves um, in business and in life. And um, another thing that has, has really impressed me 
is very closely related to today's interview, which is that uh, Sean has not told me anything that I cannot ask. Um, he has not seen the questions ahead of time. And um, I, I think it just speaks to um, his dedication and to the foundation of VBV uh, that we have the opportunity to, um, to really uh, talk with our founder so uh, openly and honestly. Um, as Sean has said before, uh, the best idea always wins. And uh, our hope, my hope from today is that we really gather insights from Sean's life and business experience, um, find out more about the how and why of VBB, and uh, really elucidate some of the finer points from the lessons that he's carefully curated for us uh, through the Academy. Um, uh, Sean, do you have anything to share uh, about the decision to have this interview and why you felt it was really important before I get started with the questions? The most important aspect, and I think the most undervalued thing in the crypto space is that everyone is hoping to somehow get lucky once, make money, and then be set for life. And the biggest, the biggest misconception with that is that that's not going to work. And I'm also going to tell you why with an interesting statistic. So 70% of all lottery winners go broke or bankrupt after five years or less. And it does not make a difference if they win $1 million or $500 million. 70% of them are worse off after they've won the money than before. They have a few years, but 70% of them lose all the money and even the money they had before that. Now, why is that? And this is something which Warren Buffett says in a, in a few different interviews, where you have to be deserving of the money. If you're not deserving, the universe is going to get back into balance and you're going to not be able to hold on to the money because you have not learned what it takes and what it requires to actually hold on to that money and to keep multiplying it. And, <clears throat> you know, how delusional do you have to be that you think by making 50K or 500K in the crypto world, that's going to have any positive impact on your life long term. If you look at the statistics where everyone else who got lucky and won money and crypto is like only very slightly different from the lottery where those people, they want exponentially more money than you potentially ever make in the crypto game and they all go broke again after five years or less. So what are your expectations where you don't know that much about what it takes to be successful and then you play on getting lucky and then sooner or later you're going to lose everything uh, anyways. And <clears throat> today we had a couple of stories in the in, in general chat where people spoke about their losses. And that's exactly it. You might get lucky once or twice, but things are going to balance themselves out sooner or later anyways. So at the end of the day, all that crypto is or has been over the course of the past years is that 
the money has transferred from the people who have very little money to the whales and only the top 1% got a lot richer and everyone else got a lot poorer. And then of course you have a couple of exceptions, a couple of people who get lucky once and then they, you know, they manage to hold on to the money. And there's, there's a couple of influencers who um, come to mind like uh, Johnny, for example, who, who bought a bunch of bored apes uh, very early on, but he has managed to hold on to the money. But those are the rare exceptions. 99% of the people in the crypto space, no matter how much money they're going to make with some coin, you know, with Dogecoin or, you know, some meme coin or by somehow getting lucky somewhere, that's not going to change your life in the long term because it requires a lot more than money to actually be successful. There's, there's very little correlation just having numbers on the screen to you actually becoming a successful person and the only successful people manage to hold on to the money and they don't just hold on to the money but they keep playing to win and they don't fall for playing not to lose which is very easy to do and you will see that if you make money once in crypto and all of a sudden you have 500k where before you had nothing now is the the part where all of a sudden you get scared because now you actually have something to lose so now you're going to make decisions very differently than you did before and that's when you will make mistakes and then end up losing everything once again and yeah i think yeah i'm sorry Squabba. i'm getting uh, off to red oh no no i was i was just gonna say that i uh, i i really appreciate um what you were saying one of the things that um has been so beneficial for me and i think the other uh, academy students has been your focus not just on crypto and frankly, not just on business, but on our lives. And um, for me, following the, the lessons from the academy, I've uh, typed up if um, people want to read it more in depth, but a testimonial um, about what it's meant for me, just applying these these rules and these lessons and, and uh, Sean's approach to to everything, because as, as Sean is saying, I, if you just apply it to crypto, you're going to, you're going to eventually lose. Whereas if this is a real sea change in how you see yourself and how you see um, the, the world around you and, and the responsibility you have to be successful and follow a vision, uh, I really think, at least for me, it's, it's made a huge change. And I know for a lot of our other students, um, I was just going to, uh, ask a little bit before we get into more of the questions about um, sharks in the academy. Uh, I hope to ask a little bit about your uh, background in entrepreneurship. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to follow the path of the entrepreneur versus, um, you know, staying an employee or, or following the common path that, that a lot of us find ourselves in? And then we come into crypto to try to get out of. So I never had a real job in my life I well I was in school and I always couldn't make sense of why there's someone standing in front of me who doesn't know a lot of things beyond the topic that the person is actually teaching is not making any money or any notable amounts of money and is telling me on how to best become 
someone who is then going to get trapped in a nine to five job where I already know getting into it that I'm never going to make the kind of money which I would want to afford the lifestyle which I believe I deserve. And I went through school um, without too much effort, I, you know, and that sounds arrogant, but, but I'm, I'm pretty smart. I, school was not a, you know, a big challenge for me to, to get okay grades without doing anything. Um, and then I ended up going to university and starting to, to study law. And then I, I transitioned into English because it was boring as hell. And nothing really appealed to me. And I just couldn't get over the, the fact that most of the people teaching things haven't been successful. It's, I had a huge issue with those people just knowing the theory but never having done anything in practice. And I, I, I changed the university um, to a different one where the professors actually had some background in, in actual business. And again, in theory, that appealed to me because it, it seemed, seemed to be more practical. But after, I believe, two years in the university, it also became apparent that they only mold you to fit that whole as an employee, no one is teaching you how to start a business or how to buy a business or how to run a business. Like everything is tailored to becoming someone who is going to be dependent on someone else. And I never wanted to be in that position. I always wanted to have authority and the responsibility for my own life. And I, I had some... Um, you know, some jobs on the side. I was working in a, in a clothing store. I was working in a gym. But every time I got into those work relationships, it, it has been absolutely miserable and painful for my soul because I knew, okay, I, I have to be there at 8 a.m. And I'm not going to be able, under any reason, to leave that building until 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. or whatever. And then you also have, again, someone as an authority who really doesn't know anything other than being there and commanding you around. And the guy who's actually making the money is not even in the store or, you know, in, in the gym because he's actually the guy running like 20 different stores or gyms and he doesn't have to show up. And I mean, I didn't really know like what to do. I, I didn't see a path for myself because all the paths which I had been shown by everyone else didn't really fit me. And I, I spent, I wasted a lot of, a lot of time in school and in university wondering what the hell am I supposed to do? Like everything that's getting proposed to me goes 100% against everything which I would want out of my life. And I don't even know like where exactly it started. It, it might have been either Gary Vee or Ty Lopez or one of those guys had shown up by mere coincidence in my YouTube feed. And I started to, you know, those guys at least teach you. And, and you know, a lot of this also comes, comes down to where you are getting, where you are being raised. And I'm out of Germany. 
and the entire society in Germany is set up in a way where entrepreneurship is not as valued as in the US, for example. In the US, you know, it's more or less on a pedestal to a degree and entrepreneurs are, are looked up to. Uh, in Germany, it's the, pretty much the opposite. Like people pressure you into going for safety and getting a safe job, getting good pay. And then at 65 or 66, you can finally retire and then run out of money before you run out of time. And then, you know, you're just, again, some sometime uh, when you're really old, back to being miserable, which is, you know, pretty much the representation of my grandparents who never had any money, don't have any money, and they have to be satisfied with where they are and they never strive for anything else. And, you know, they had never had any ambitions to do anything beyond being good employees. And, you know, so, so I was just going to say that's a, that's an excellent segue to kind of the question where, uh, of where a lot of us find ourselves who joined VVV because of the vision, because of, um, really that drive to better ourselves and, um, and to grow ourselves and to get out of that, um, that, that sort of rat race, that, that expectation that we don't even realize gets, gets built into us. What, what's the biggest mistake that you find people make who have the realization that they don't want to be an employee forever, but somehow just can't get, get out of it. You know, maybe they've tried some things, but, but it hasn't worked out. What, what is it that you would tell those, those folks about, what you need to do to, to really move to the next step and, and jump into being your own boss or at least getting on that path. That, that's very easy to do. Uh, it's very easy to say and really difficult to do. And a quote from Dan Pena really boils it down. He says, there's never an easy time to make a hard decision. And everyone I ever spoke to who is an employee and who maybe someday wants to start his own business, everyone always tells me, yeah, when the time is right, then I will do it. When this and this happens, then I'm going to do it. When I have this much money in the bank, then I'm going to, to do it. And the only, and this depends now again, whether or not you have a family, you have to take care of your kids or whatever. but. If you don't have kids, if you don't have anyone you need to take care of, then quit your job today and learn how to start a business today and do not spend any more time in the comfort of having a job or having a uh, um, recurring income. If need be, go back to your parents' basement and say friend and start enjoying being at risk and enjoying the pressure because that's the only thing that's going to allow you to be successful. It, you cannot be half pregnant and it's not possible to be preoccupied with your current business and then simultaneously start something super successful on the side. Depending on how much dedication you have, it might be possible to work your nine to five and then spend four hours per week. Uh, four, four hours per day, each evening, building uh, an online business on the side. That might be possible, but again, the sooner you quit your business, the better. 
because only when you really need to, when it's a need, when there's no other option, only then you're going to actually do it and actually do it successfully. As long as you have that safety net, you're either never going to do it or you're never going to do it fully. And if you're never going to do it fully with 100% commitment, it's just going to fail. Yeah, that, that, I, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. And um, I think one of the uh, the things that our, our academy students have really benefited the most about is your willingness to share those um, realizations and, and those hard-won pearls of wisdom with us through the lessons that have been offered. Um, but it's something that is very different than most pro uh, projects that are um, in crypto, right? So most, uh, most projects seem to be structured around a founder who kind of keeps the secret sauce to themselves and then shares little bits uh, for large amounts of money. Can you tell us why um, you were so passionate about launching the Academy from day one uh, with VVV and um, what is uh, most important to you to accomplish through sharing uh, these lessons with, with our students. So I started the Academy because I know the money alone is not going to benefit you in any way, manner or form. It's not going to make you any smarter. It's not going to make you any more confident. It's not going to, and, and you know, that there's a, a big misconception here, but it's not going to make you any more happy. It might make you more happy temporarily, but it's only going to cause a lot of terror in your life because once you have the money, then you're going to get scared of losing it. And then you're going to lose it. And then you're going to be worse off than you were before. So you might have been better off not even making the money in the first place. And the only way to have money make a difference in your life is if you also evolve as a human being and become more than you are today. Because if you already wear a personality or a character who is supposed to be successful, then you would probably already be successful and you would already have the money and you would not chase the next NFT pro project and you would not chase the next mint. You would be well set and you would have something which already proves that you are successful and you would be probably one of our whales and not someone who is chasing the next hot thing. And there's also one big selfish reason. And I said this uh, a few days ago in, in one of the channels where I know that it's very lonely at the top. Once you start making more money than everyone else, it's very difficult to keep associating with them because for one, if you become more successful, you also have to overcome a lot of hurdles. You have to go through immense amounts of pain and someone who is in the comfort of being an employee, for example, and only has to climb the corporate ladder, they're not going to go through the same process and they're not going to become that caliber of a man or woman by just having that job. So the more you are, the more you, you progress on your own path and the more hardship you overcome, the, the less you're going to be able to associate with normal people in, in, in quotes because you're going to have less and less similarities with people who are comfortable where they are 
and you're making progress and that's also going to spark a lot of envy that's you know people are going to either passively or actively trying to hold you back because you know that's something which is called the crab effect where if you have a bunch of crabs in a bucket and you know they're all down there and then you see one of the crabs is going to manage to climb up to towards the edge of the bucket and then all of a sudden like all of the other crabs are going to try to hold on to the crab and are going to um, pull it back into the bucket and it's the exact same thing in society no one actually wants to see you successful and the to give you another practical example the tax system in germany is the very best example for that where if you are an employee if you make 40k per, per year then you pay like 20 percent tax or whatever but if you are an entrepreneur and you make 40k per year you pay 50 percent tax like society and the government do not want people who are independent and who strive to be more than what society and the educational system has set in place for you. So as soon as you start pushing out of those boundaries, you're going to see that it's going to get exponentially harder the more you try to get out of the system. Yeah, so um, I, I'm impressed by, and I think lots of our students have been impressed with the clarity of the vision and what you want the students, not just to take out of the lessons, but also BBB and helping us kind of get out of the bucket. Um, like you said, why do you think that's so unique to, to BBB? Why aren't we seeing other people in the crypto space offer something like VBV Academy, um, what what limits them from from wanting to push other people forward in a similar way? I think we see a lot of things you can do, you know, building new skills on the side, but how to think and really the philosophy of how to be a leader. Why is that so um, so isolated to what VBV offers? Well, the the sad truth is that most people being active in the crypto space and, and launching projects, most of them are crooks and liars. So they, they don't even know what it takes to be successful because they only know enough to deceive and blind other people and to extract their money, to make promises and promises and to, to um, spark FOMO by making the, the floor price of the project the main value proposition by promising it's going to go up forever. And those guys, they, I mean, I, I almost cannot fathom how many lies I've seen in my Twitter feed and how many people I know for a fact have never made any money in their life, but they present themselves as multi-figure, multi-millionaires who make tens of thousands of dollars per day. And I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. And the reason why those people don't teach is because they don't know what to teach because they have none of the abilities it actually takes to be someone who leads or to be someone who actually builds something successful. And all of that hype, all of that glamour, all of that is going to fade away rather sooner than later. And the reason why we haven't caught up with some of the hype which is surrounding other projects is because it's exponentially 
more difficult to sell the hard way and not to sell the easy way out to sell you a piece of software which allegedly is just going to print money for you and you know you can just lead, lean back and don't have to do anything or you know just follow the trades of this guy and, and you will be a millionaire or just follow my alpha calls and you're going to make uh, you know hundreds of thousands of dollars that, that's not the you know there's no point in attracting that kind of an audience because now okay then I, I have a big community but I'm surrounded by idiots so what's the point of that I would much rather go through the hard way and only re attract those people who actually realize that there's more, more to it than just uh, a 10x, a 100x. You know, there, there's actually more to what it takes to actually make and keep money. And in addition to that, the, uh, the, the academy is the main tool to make sure that the people who have potential and show potential, that they get put in a position where they can realize it and therefore become better members in the community, can provide more value to BBB and eventually make sure that the entire project becomes more successful and attracts more quality members. Yeah, and I, I think um, from the standpoint of, of deciding what to teach students, um, I, I'm curious to know, because just as you said, there's so many out there that present themselves as, as luminaries, as, as builders um, who really are more talkers. How much of the lessons that you've chosen or even building uh, sharks uh, in VVV comes from the things, mistakes or, or, you know, lies that you've seen other people tell or mistakes you've seen them make? How many, how much of it comes from your own success and how much of it comes from things that, you wish you had done differently the first time? Like, where do you draw inspiration um, for both the input to the academy, so the lessons themselves, but also the output and, and how you see what you want to develop the VVV students into, um, AKA sharks? Well, so first of all, none of the teachings are based on someone else's mistakes. Because like the entire thing, like learning from your mistakes, you know, that there's an infinite amount of ways to make mistakes. So there's no point in like studying all the mistakes and studying infinite ways of not to do it. I would much rather just look at the right ways to do things. And to answer the question, I'm, I'm going to start with a story. And I, I might get the, the years wrong, but, but uh, you know, by one or two years, because I, I just, since I've launched my own business, I literally have no feeling for time anymore. I don't know if it's Monday or Sunday. Um, the only reason I know it's Sunday is because we have the, the meeting today. But I have no, I literally have no feeling for what day of the week it is because like, I work seven days a week, always the same amounts of hours. There's no difference to me there. Um, and I've done that for the past uh, four years. So the first uh, $30,000 I made I invested into myself. I bought a spot or a place in Dan Pena's castle seminar. And I don't know how many of you guys know Dan Pena, but he is a very successful individual who got rich way before social media. 
and he then started to give seminars on leadership and on how to buy and sell businesses. And the first money I made, uh, I spent on his seminar. And I, when you book a seminar, and now it might be different, the waiting time might, might be even longer, but if you book a seminar with the guy, then you pay the money and then like it's already booked out for the next three months or so. So you will have to wait until there's a, a next one announced and then you have to hope that you're going to get a spot and they only have like 20, 25 spots um, for each of those events. And I paid the money up front and then uh, I already expected to wait like two, three months or so. But after two weeks, I got a call from his assistant and she told me, and because of my business address in the UK, she thought that I was in, in London and his seminars are in, in Scotland. So it would have been, you know, I, I would have been able to drive there by car. So she didn't know that I was in Germany. So she called me and that was like 5 p.m. or so. And she called me and told me that someone dropped out of the seminar and there was one spot opening up and she called me because I was the one closest by and the seminar was on the next day, starting at 8 a.m. Oh no, excuse me, the, the first day is the, the introduction, so that, that starts at like uh, 1 p.m. or so. So I told her um, that I'm going to, to, to check if I can make it because it's so spontaneous. Um, and I, I didn't tell her that I was in Germany because obviously, you know, if she knew that it's going to be such a hassle and it's probably not going to happen, they're just going to pick someone who's close by. So um, I hung up the phone and I asked her to call me in an hour. Uh, I looked up, looked up the, the flights which were going from um, Berlin, Germany at the time. And I found one flight who was departing at 6 a.m. or whatever. And then when she called me back, I had booked the flight. I told her, okay, I'm going to be there um, at around like noon or whatever. So um, I told her, okay, I'm going to be there. I um, went to bed, stood up, uh, got up at 3 a.m., got on the plane, flew there on short notice and showed up just in time for the event to start. And, you know, all of this, the reason I'm telling you this is because everything in life and everything surrounding success always comes down to how bad do you want it? Do you want to be comfortable? And, you know, I, I could have easily told her, no, uh, it, you know, it's too spontaneous. I, you know, I wouldn't get uh, the right amount of sleep. I would, I still would have to pack my bags or, you know. Uh, God be well, if I had a job, I would have to talk to my boss if I can get the time off and whatever. And the only reason why I could make it is because I am free and I'm independent. So, you know, I can do whatever the hell I want. And to me, the seminar was important and I made the time and I made it spontaneously. So fast forward, um, seminar was over and it was an extremely impressive and life altering experience. And I immediately, after that seminar, started to save up the next money for the hardcore seminar, where um, there's two different kinds of seminars. You have the, the regular castle seminar, and then there's also um, a hardcore seminar, which is only once per year, which is for the alumni of the regular seminar. And that's always happening on Christmas. 
So I started saving up for that seminar. I, I wasn't really sure if I could make it because it, it, it's like, I think it's like 50,000 pounds or you know, some outrageous amount. Uh, still, I uh, you know, was working and, and saving up the money. And as soon as I saw that I'm going to be able to get all the money together, I signed up for the hardcore seminar and again, committed all the capital. And again, I was not in a position where I could just comfortably show up to the seminar in time, which, you know, I was so glad this time that I didn't have to do any, any of the spontaneous stuff, but, uh, you know, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Right. So the hardcore seminar was right when all of the bullshit of Corona started. So I already had booked my flights, the hotel and so on. But now they started to cancel flights. They're starting to roll out the um, quarantine where you, you have to show up like weeks in advance and then you have to stay locked into your hotel room for weeks. And only then you're good to show up to, to any of the um, uh, events of other people. So now, again, like I had to throw all of my plans out of the window because they just like very shortly before my, my time window of arriving like two weeks in advance expired they changed all the regulations in Scotland and I had to again fly there on very short notice and have to be locked up in my hotel room, not even knowing if they would allow him to have the seminar because it was with, I believe, 18 people at the time, which was beyond what the, the government allowed. And even during the seminar, there was a high likelihood of the police coming and shutting uh, the, the, the event down because they actually did that uh, with one of the regular seminars before that. Um, but lucky, not, luckily enough, the, the seminar uh, didn't get canceled and everything went well. And again, I, I took away a, a tremendous amount of learnings. Um, and the most important point here is that for one, you have to be committed to do what you say you're going to do because the universe is always going to throw stones in your way and there's always going to be hurdles which you have to overcome and never ever if you intend to be an entrepreneur never ever are things going to go smoothly like there's always like no matter what you do there's always things going wrong and the second lesson from that is that you have to be confident in investing into yourself because you know i, I spent almost 100k on those two seminars and like no one else believed that I was in, in my, in the right state of mind to spend that money on two events, which last five days each. And, um, to me it was life altering. And I know that no one ever is going to be able to take anything away from me because all, all the things I learned, are deep, ingrained into my brain and no one will ever be able to take that experience from me if i had bought a car if i had bought you know something material for the money you know it, it wouldn't have changed my life at all and the biggest lesson here is that you have to keep investing into yourself and many times it, it's not just time there has to be a certain degree of pain attached to that because if you get everything always for free then you're going to value it less. And that doesn't mean that the academy is going to uh, require any sort of payment soon 
but it means that if you know if there's something out there if it's a book or whatever ideally you do not go to any of the uh, piracy sites and, and just download the book for free go ahead and buy the book because even if it's even even if it's not expensive by you paying for it you're going to take it more seriously yeah i think that's one of the the core values that you've really instilled in us through the academy is like you said um i guess i would boil it down to uh, reasons rather than excuses or or as you said focusing it on successes um, rather than failures and and one of the the huge value propositions for me and i know uh, so many others who have invested time in in the academy is that you've really distilled huge tomes of in, of information um, i know you shared with me uh, one time that you know, there are a thousand authors, you know, a, a hundred thousand that have written these things down in different ways. And, and the key is not to read every book under the sun that tells you how to be successful. It's finding the person who has said it uh, the most succinct, the most direct. Here's how to succeed. Here's how to think correctly. Um, and and really to to use that to push yourself forward rather than constantly being stuck in this this academic mode. And, and I think that really gets us to the next topic. How, how do we then apply that where the rubber meets the road? And, and this really gets to the shark test. Um, many of the questions on the shark test really relate to feelings of guilt or shame or regret. And um, I, I know from the Warren Buffett homeworks, which uh, we'll get to later, uh, that one of the, the big questions is what's more important personality or IQ is emotion in general dangerous for sharks is it how you handle that emotion how do you isolate the drive from those feelings of regret or or, or guilt or shame and to what extent are are we needing to if we're wanting to be sharks to to take those emotions out of the way that we approach the world <laughs> Well, it's not so much taking the emotions out, it's more isolating and suffocating the bad emotions and channeling the good emotions in a way where they start to benefit you. And anger, for example, you know, that could be perceived as a bad emotion, but many times anger is when everything else is going downhill anger might be the only thing which keeps you going so there's a time and place for most of, most of the emotions there are a few which i would never allow myself to dive too deep into and one of them is pity for example that that's something just extremely dangerous where you know if you look in, into the the animal world for example Animals do not feel sorry for themselves. You will never ever find a single animal that's feeling pitiful. And the reason for that is because animals have to survive. They, they live by their instincts. And humans have the advantage or you know, disadvantage that survival is not their highest priority. And therefore there are a lot of emotions which arise, which to a certain degree are artificial and 
not benefiting you, to, you know, in any regard. So being aware of that and being able to make use of the most powerful emotions uh, to your benefit, that that's very important. And you will find that for the upcoming shark mint, we are not just going to judge everyone based on contributions and, and um, activity in the server, but there's also going to be two more tests which everyone is going to be able to take. And then based on the results of that, you're going to um, get potentially widested for a shark in phase three. And both of these tests are personality tests and they're extremely complex. And if you, if you don't know a lot of, if you don't know a lot of about psychology, the tests are not going to tell you a lot, but if you do a deep dive into um, the, the human mind, by seeing the results of those tests and, and you will have to be careful, you know, whether or not you actually want to do that. Um, because if someone sees those results of those tests, you know, someone with the right amount of knowledge and experience, they're going to know you better than you are going to know yourself. So it also makes sense to do those tests in, in, in you know, even if you don't want to share them to do them in private and then study the results of them because they're going to give you a tremendous amount of insights. And I give you one, one example of one of the questions. Uh, I will give you two examples. So um, one question is when I am invited to a party, I am the center of the party. And then the, the, the answers range from one with strongly agree to five strongly disagree. And another question is if there's um, a case with a million dollars and no one would notice if I would steal the case, would I take it or would I leave the case? And you, you know, if you have the background, what those questions or what, what those answers to those questions mean, then you can also use those questions in your, in a private life and just pick a few of them and ask your significant other, ask your friends. And just by asking a few questions, you're going to get to know them on a much deeper level. And you're going to be able to, um, to foresee how they would react in certain situations with a, with a lot of clarity and with a very high likelihood of you getting it right. And those tests are going to be um, important for two reasons, because, you know, again, going back to the emotions, you have to have a, a strong personality if you want to be active in the Sharks channel. Um, the, the Sharks channel is also going to be the channel where we pick most of the people who then eventually become part of the team. And I need to have a place where I can be blunt and where I can be completely unfiltered because being able to do that without any repercussions or without people getting hurt, that's going to allow us to exchange a lot more value, a lot more efficiently and to create a much stronger bond amongst each other. And the main issue I have with, uh, you know, with society as a whole 
is that everyone has accustomed to becoming soft and now you even have protective mechanisms in place by different platforms, um, by, by uh, governments, where you can't even speak your mind freely anymore because you know it, it might even get interpreted as a crime or you might just get deplatformed and you, you and then you have nowhere to speak your mind anymore or at least no one who is able, going to be able to listen to you so there's going to be a lot more to come for the sharks we have 200 and i think we only gave out uh, around 70 or so um yet so the community of the shark is going to be growing a lot more and the focus on the sharks and on their ability is going to increase over time. So one of the things that the shark test and um, that I've noticed uh, in interacting with you personally and, um, and from your mentorship is that you believe strongly in the need for decisiveness, um, directness and focus. And a lot of the shark questions get to, one or more of those qualities. Um, are those qualities things that you have just naturally had from the beginning and or are they things that you had to develop? And for those no, no, that no. don't yeah. have those naturally, how can you develop them? Yeah, I, I definitely didn't have them from the start. And, and for full transparency, the shark test, uh, I, I just copied from Dan Pena. Uh, he has, I believe, three different kinds of tests, and I don't know which one it is. I think it's a, maybe the success test. Uh, it's one of his tests, actually, uh, which which were the, the template for the shark test. Uh, and it's something where it's rather unlikely, and, and so no one is going to be born with it, but you know, you're getting shaped by your parents and by your um by your surroundings and there's a very low likelihood that you have two super successful people as parents um the and i think we mentioned this in the academy as well where the dynamic which seems to create the most successful people is having a very strict father figure and having a warm and loving mother and in my case, I, I didn't have that, that strong and, you know, very strict and uh, authoritarian father figure. So I was very much lacking that guidance uh, during my um, youth and, you know, while I was a kid. So I definitely had to learn a lot of things or I had to get impacted by the progress of finding my own way to then actually adapting those traits over time. And that's really not, you know, there's, if you want to be successful, there's really, really no way around adapting those traits over time because you know, just by being on the path, you're going to get hit by certain things and then you're either going to have to adapt or you're going to fail. So that's also the reason why the test is so accurate because it's very difficult to somehow become successful and not adapt those traits along the way. And yeah, to, to give you an example of the some of the most important aspects or some of the most important traits, it's not being concerned with what other people think. And that's very easy to say. And a lot of people think they don't care what other people think, 
but especially your very close relationships and your close friends or your significant other, most people do not want to actively go against what they expect from from you as an individual. So there's already a pre-made path for you by the expectations of others where it's going to be very difficult for you to actually go off that beaten path. And um, I, I have prepared a, a, an uncensored program of what it takes and the sacrifices you have to make to um, become successful. And success does not always equal money. You can be successful without becoming super rich and, and you, can have, you can have a fulfilled and successful life without millions of dollars in your bank account. So success does not always equal um, dollar signs. There, there's a lot of things in which you can become successful without chasing money. So it's not like these two have to go hand in hand. Um, but there's, regardless of what kind of success you want to attract in your life, there's going to be a plethora of sacrifices you will have to make in order for you to actually achieve that. And now, of course, no one wants to hear that. Like everyone just wants to hear, yeah, there's an easy solution. There's secrets. There's tips on how to how to make it. But all of that is, is, is garbage. Like none of that is real. It's not possible. The universe, and Warren Buffett said it best, the universe is not crazy enough yet to reward people who do not deserve to be rewarded. So no matter what you want in life, you're going to have to work yourself in the position to actually be deserving of them. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I know we're coming up on the top of the hour. Um, we could uh, go into the next lessons and, and go through some of the things that academy students have struggled with, or um, we could pause here and and go for the next uh, the next time. Uh, up to you, Sean. So, what does the we have a hundred fourteen people listening in live? Uh, what do our listeners want? Should we go for another fifteen minutes or so, or should we call it a day and pick it up again? on next week's meeting. And while I'm waiting for the comments, um, one of the questions which came in are regarding the snickerdoodle raffle. And we have spent way more time than I want to admit <laughs> on refining the raffle system, on making sure that we get it right. And it has, it has been a tremendous amount of pain to work through the math and to work through the, the likelihood of winning and the conditions for uh, stakers and for holders. And it's, it has taken longer than, than we would have uh, liked, but um, we're going to have it ready um, somehow early next week. And um, that means that the raffle is obviously not going to happen today, but you're going to be able to purchase your tickets early next week and then the actual raffle or the announcement of the winners is going to happen on the next town hall and we have uh, i don't know the exact amount but we have um, more than enough snickerdoodle reserved to accommodate everyone who signed up during the last um, town hall so everyone who signed up in the last town hall for the raffle 
every one of you is going to have an opportunity to buy as many tickets as your NFT holdings allow you to do. And then every single one of you is going to have a very high chance of winning. And I'm not going to disclose the numbers yet, but the, the, the dynamic behind the raffle system are really genius. And I have to give, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, I really can't take a lot of the credit uh, myself. So a lot of the credit goes to Dark Knight himself, who has supported us uh, already tremend tremendously uh, with his uh, strategic approach to planning out our base agreement and in supporting us with setting up different mechanisms and, and features for holders and for stakers. And also to Exec, who has worked through the math and through the, the logic of the raffle system. And then also again to um, Chen slash CryptoGirl and to Andrea slash Pandora or Eris, who both of them have um, spent a lot of time on our white paper and um, I have revised it and I have received very critical and plant feedback, which is the most important thing you know you, you can have in a team is that I have spent a lot of hours in adding to the white paper and then I got hit with that it's pretty much crap what I wrote. <laughs> so now I have to go back and revise and, and uh, you know revamp the entire thing but you know, I, I didn't like the feedback, obviously, but I, I also knew that they, they were completely completely right. And, um, you know, it, it's exactly that what I think makes UV so special is that everyone can always be blunt with me. And I actually prefer that over someone trying to be like overly friendly and, and not hurting my feelings or whatever. I, I really prefer if people just call it how it is and, and tell me that, you know, whatever I spend time on, was not beneficial and now I have to go back and do the entire thing all over again. Um, but that's what's going to lead to the best results. So uh, please stay uh, tuned for the Snickerdoodle raffle and also for the white paper, which is then going to, um, yeah, pretty much start our official community outreach and collaborations effort where we are going to give away a lot of the um, whitelist spots for the phase three mint to different different communities in which we believe to find valuable members and one more thing before we dive back into uh, into the topics we are aware of the fact that we will not always find like only quality people amongst those communities but that's why the academy is so important because people will see the value in the way the mint price is, for example, set up and the, you know, the value of the floor price at the time. Um, but we're then going to allow them to educate themselves and, and to, to develop themselves as individuals through the different materials which we make available to them. And it's not just the, <clears throat> the academy which we have, but we also have a research academy, which is almost ready to launch. I think that's probably going to happen next week as well. And that's going to be led by our senior researcher, Andreas. And he's going to empower everyone and to provide everyone with the different methods of doing your own due diligence. And I, I have to give a, 
I'm not going to call it out by name yet. I'm going to save that for um, some time after the mint because I don't want any drama yet. But I saw a couple of people out of the community investing in something. And I know for a fact that they didn't do their research because if they had, and excuse my, my, my choice of words here, but if they had half a brain and if they looked at the actual facts of what they invested into, they would never ever had put in like any money into that particular project. And to me, it was a strong reminder that we have to do a lot better job in empowering people. I don't, you know, I don't care where you spend your money, you know, that, that, that's really not my, um, you know, neither my responsibility nor do I have any authority over that. But it, it still saddens me to a degree if people invest into an obvious scam or borderline scam. And, you know, it's, uh, I don't think it's a good dynamic. So we're going to go out of our way to make all the different processes available to everyone who is a holder so that they can very quickly, and it, it does not take a lot of time, all of the, you know, most of the red flags you can uncover in 10 to 20 minutes. And then you see the first five red flags and then you can think, okay, I'll probably just skip this thing. Or you can start doing a deep dive just as our researchers do. And then you don't just find five red flags, but you find 10. And then you really see, okay, that thing is dead. And there's a lot of things which have been going on in the past. And luckily enough, our researchers like Jesse are very smart. They know how to use the Wayback Machine. They know how to find all the old token prices, which are much cheaper. And they know that people buy in at a much higher premium at the same conditions. And pretty much everyone got lied to and deceived. And there's so much going on in the space which I have very much restricted myself in calling it out. Um, but I'm, we will see. I don't, I'm not sure if I, you know, if I should go ahead. Maybe if I do that, I, I have to do it at you know, my private account, not under the brand of BBB. Uh, but I think there's a, a, a dire need for someone to actually shed some light into what's actually going on in the space. Um, with that being said, the, the feedback uh, was very positive. I, I very much appreciate um, everyone's participation and interest. So, Christian, um, let, let's keep going and let's see how, how long we okay. can keep everyone entertained. <laughs> Great. Um, so you you spoke about this in uh, answering the last question. And um, I'm interested to know, and we'll dive into the first lesson uh, with Tiger Woods. I think a lot of our students struggled with the juxtaposition between the level of focus and intention and, and even, you know, some people called it uh, cruel, quote unquote, what uh, Tiger's dad put him through to get to the point of success. And I saw a lot of answers that were, yes, I need to have this focus. I need to have this push, but I don't like what his dad did. And I think a lot of people got stuck on that. Um, from your standpoint, we talked about the need for role models, how much push is necessary and how much push is 
um, acceptable to reach world-changing heights? That That's very difficult to answer, especially because I did not have any push in my life by any of my parents or by any of my family members. So I only know the opposing side. I, I know what it is or I know what it feels like to not have anyone drive you towards realizing your full potential. And I think for an individual, it is more harmful to not have someone pushing you than having someone who pushes you too much. If I could go back and if I could change the way my parents treated me, I would have prayed for them to push me to realize my potential. And, you know, I cannot say, if, you know, with certainty that I, 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 I agree 100% with, with the way how uh, Tiger's father has treated him, but you still have to give him credit that he saw that Tiger, as a, as a baby almost, like I think he was like three, four years old, he was um, observing his father uh, practicing his, uh, I, don't know, I don't know how it's, how it's called, but his swing in the garage and he was fascinated with his father practicing and so you know just by seeing that interest from his child he realized that he had an a, you know not just once in a lifetime but you know probably like once every hundred years you have the opportunity to realize the potential in someone who can be the best in something who ever walked the planet. So you might not agree with how um, his father treated him, but I doubt that Tiger would go back in time and change anything about the way he had been treated and then like on all the different events where he won and where he became the world champion, he now came in in fifth place or tenth place, just for the sake of maybe having a, in quotes, happier childhood or happier teenage years to then forego all the success he then earned. And he, he did not just, you know, he didn't just become successful, but he had a profound impact on society where there were no black golfers in those establishments where he eventually started to win. So he pretty much broke a lot of the cultural boundaries across this, uh, uh, during his, uh, his rise as well. So I, I can't answer the question definitively. Um, I think it, it can also be extremely harmful if you push your kid towards something which he or she does not want. I think that can be very destructive to someone's soul. So, yeah, it's a very difficult topic, and I have no kids, yeah. uh, so you know I didn't have the the right parenting. So it, it's I really can't answer the question with confidence. No, I think that makes um, a lot of sense. That that it's that balance um, that's that's difficult to achieve, and I think the reason that people really struggle um, with it is something that you got to in an earlier question, which is that everybody sort of wants the, the quick fix. They want to be able to say, okay, 
well, I can have the success. I just apply these, these simple rules and everything is smooth sailing. And really, I think what you've taught us through the academy and through some of the questions you've answered today is that sacrifice, um, pain, discomfort, uh, and uh, those sorts of things are, are very important in actually realizing that success. But watching that or going through that is very difficult. Can you tell us sort of what sacrifice means to you and how important a sacrifice or challenge mindset is in achieving life-changing or even world-changing visions such as VVB? Apologies, Christian. Could you repeat uh, the question? Uh, my connection was dropping out for a second. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think one of the things that you've talked to us about before is the importance of um, sacrifice and that a lot of folks see uh, the or desire the want for doing you know, a list of, of steps and then my success will come. And I think it's very uncomfortable to see sacrifice in others or to see struggle in others, such as Tiger's dad sort of put him through to become his best self or to go through it yourself. How, how important is sacrifice and challenge or discomfort in the VVV mindset and in becoming successful? I will again start with a quote by Dan Pena. And he says, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And the only, and Steve Jobs also said it very well. Um, and I, I'm just paraphrasing right now, but he said, you have to be passionate about what you do because if you are not, then you're going to give up when it becomes very hard. And the only guys who keep pushing are the ones who are crazy about what they do. And only if you are truly passionate about what you want to achieve is when you even will be willing to make those sacrifices required to achieve what you want to achieve. And, you know, you're not going to like what, what I'm going to say if we start to talk about sacrifices. Because, you know... It, it takes so much more than you could potentially realize getting started where I don't know if that's a quote as well, but you know, if you knew what it took before you get started, you probably wouldn't even start to begin with. So by choosing the path of pursuing freedom or, you know, financial independence, or just success in general, you have to be get accustomed to living through periods of misery. That being said, those periods of darkness are what's going to make the success so much more tasty. Where now when you succeed, it means so much more because it actually costs you something. And you actually went through things to become who you are or to get where you currently are. And if all of that could be achieved with no pain, then it would not be worthwhile to even do it. And, you know, an easy example is having a six pack. If having a six pack wouldn't require any effort, 
then everyone would have one and then it wouldn't have any meaning. But you know, you know, to get a six pack, it requires a certain workout regime. It requires a certain diet. So it actually has some sort of a wealth or it stands for something. And the same thing, if you see an expensive car, for example, you know, that takes a certain degree of sacrifice to accumulate the capital necessary to being able to afford something like that. So all of those status symbols, which, you know, offend, uh, you know, many people are, you know, many people look down on, on, on you know, those kind of uh, achievements, but those to the people who, who worked to get these uh, status symbols, to them, it means something. And that also goes back to not caring about what other people think. Um, in Germany, for example, it's frowned on if someone drives around with a Lamborghini. Like there's a plethora of super rich people in Germany and they will only drive around in a Mercedes. You will never ever see anyone driving a Lamborghini. And I think that's a, a sad testament to society where if you are successful, you now have to hide it because people are too envy and hateful to actually let you be successful and live your life in a way that reflects your success. Yeah, and I, I think that really gets to um, something you've shared with us before, which is this, this idea of the right mindset. Um, so uh, Tiger really had to have a mental toughness that his father helped him develop in dealing with all of the, the fame and the naysayers. And jumping into the next lesson, which was um, 10x uh, by Cardone, again, it's it's about your your mindset of, of what your vision is and and what you're willing to go through to get there. Like you're saying, what would you say the the appropriate mindset of someone who wants to succeed is? How do you and how do you develop that mindset or that mental toughness to achieve it? I think before you start talking about mental toughness, you have to want more for yourself. And that's, I noticed from my own experience, it's, it's very difficult to actually want more for yourself than what society tells you that you deserve. And I recently commented on a, and he's actually listening. Um, you know, I, I commented on a, on a post by someone who was talking about his goals and um, his goals aligned with what I had set for myself as a goal um, when I, I didn't really know what to do with my life. And I actually set those goals or, you know, I had those goals in mind, like right before I, I read the 10X book. And my goal at the time, you know, I, I had much bigger goals as a, as a child, but then, you know, you go through the educational system. Um, you get exposed to, you know, certain friends and uh, your family and so on. And then your goals shrink over time because like, unless you're surrounded by super successful people, like most of your, most of the people surrounding you have not achieved big things in their life. So obviously the logic, um, thought process through that is that they didn't achieve anything great in their life. So, you know, I have to be careful with my expectations of what I get out of life. And, you know, at some point I, I literally thought to myself, if all, you know, if at least, or not, if, 
if I can only get, I think, you know, I have to translate it from German. Um, but I think the, the, the thought process was, if I can only get a house and an okay car, then I'm happy, then I'm content, then I'm fine. I just want that. And, and you know, then I'm happy. Just give me that. And it's extremely, extremely harmful to your potential, to your drive in life and to your motivation and to your to expectations of yourself if you start to think that way. But it's almost impossible to not get pushed to think this way because there's no one else leading with a different example and telling you that you can actually do more and expect more and you deserve more. So to what extent is it important to have 10x goals in the things you want to achieve in life? And how is it more important for those goals to be something you think you can achieve or more important for it to be something you don't know if you can achieve, but you're going to to drive through and, and achieve it nonetheless? So Dan Pena, you know, I'm going to quote him a lot to, to give him credit for, for what he's saying. Uh, you know, he says, set goals which you cannot accomplish in your lifetime. You have to set something for yourself and for your vision, which you know you probably cannot achieve in your life. But you have to have a bigger than life goal in your life because otherwise, you know, is it even worth getting out of bed for? Like if, if all you want is a house and a dog, you know, is that actually worth getting up for? Is that goal even big enough to write down on a piece of paper? Like you have to, and it, it's very dangerous to start setting small goals just for you, you know, to be in a better position to actually achieve them. Like you will not achieve your wildest and highest expectations. So you have to set something as a goal, which is very difficult to pull off in a lifetime. And of course, towards that, you have to have different milestones and different things which achieve and which you can take off your, off your list. But you have something behind all of those milestones which keeps you going. And my goal for the academy, for example, is to change the educational system and to, to offer an alternative to what is taught by society. And, you know, I know that promoting what we promote is probably never, ever going to be something that's going to be appreciated or endorsed by any government because it takes away the work, the workforce you need to do the cheap labor. But I, I set it as my goal, you know, even if it's not something which eventually changes the entire education system, at least, you know, if I, if that's my goal, then I know at least we're going to end up with a private university, which is going to teach people the traits of successful people, how to learn and build those traits and how to find what they are passionate about and what they can execute on in excellence and become someone who leaves a footprint on the planet and not just works a nine to five for 30, 40 years and then fades away 
and no one even knew that you ever existed. I think that's a extremely miserable way to live, and it's a uh, it, it's an insult to the potential you have as an individual to not want more for yourself. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful vision for, for our students to know that um, the founder of, of this project, of, of you, Sean, want part of your success, part of what you hold dearly to you is that they should be better, not just that you or the, the project should succeed. And I, I think that's one of the, the huge things that drew me to, um, to BBB and, and makes me such a believer every day is that I see the evidence of that, the mentorship of that, um, that the community is part of this dream. Like you said, from some benefit to the project itself also, um, but that you bring the things that you've learned and, and that you've gone through and the things that might've been missing that you then had to, to resource and share those with the others of us that, that are um, wanting to fight through the, the challenges and, and become great too. So um, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to ask you these questions. And um, it, if you want me to, to keep going, we can go into to further lessons or, or we can uh, pause there too. Well, first of all, let me say that, and this is, I think, an important point to make. I went from making thirty, forty thousand dollars per month to spending thirty thousand dollars per month on the team. So I went from making money to spending a tremendous amount of money every single month to build something. So I had way more money before I started VVV. So if I wanted to just make money, I wouldn't do what I'm doing, or I would do what we do in a very different way. So that's something which is very important to keep in mind because most of the other founders of projects, they are driven by the gains they can realize for themselves. And of course, I plan to make money off the phase three mint, to make money for myself as a salary because my time is valuable and I'm not going to spend time building something if I'm not getting compensated to a certain degree. But I also want to make the money so that I can provide the team and the entire project with runway for us to keep achieving our milestones and then to eventually achieve the overarching goal, which we have, which for VVV is establishing the most successful VC out there and then to eventually transition into having the best performing crypto fund on the planet. And um, regarding uh, whether or not we should continue, um, again, guys, feel free to drop it in the comments if you want us to keep going. I'm very happy to spend another 15, 20 minutes um, on some of the material out of the academy. You can also always, of course, feel free to ask any questions in the comments. I'm going to read them and answer them. Nothing is off limits. You can answer me anything. You can throw any critique you might have our way and we're going to address and improve as well um, a few people have asked 
about the mysterious event which shall remain unnamed. Um, I'm not going to share any details about that, but um, it's going to be an interesting day. Let's put it this way. And um, an update, I think someone mentioned it earlier as well, um, regarding the orderly AMA. So um, I'm still in touch with their team and they currently are at Neocon in Portugal. And once they are done with the, uh, with the event, then I'm going to get in touch with them again. I'm going to have a private call with one of the team members and then we're going to hopefully set up the AMA with the orderly network. And we have many more projects in, in our active outreach. So there's a lot more good things to come. And um, yeah, unfortunately has failed. Uh, we got a few likes from him, but I think the, the pings which we sent his way were too much. So he ended up uh, removing the tag from our post. So that's one of the battles which we lost. Um, but we succeeded with the orderly network. Um, they, they very much appreciated our gesture. Uh, I think Gabriel uh, with Limit Break, you know, he has already too much noise around him. So it's very difficult to break through. Um, one thing to note is, um, and that's not something which we orchestrated or, or whatever to, to justify us not, not uh, getting through to him, but uh, Limit Break has also been uh, rejected today by our researchers. So it would have been very interesting to talk to the guy, um, but we're going to move on to the next one. I'm probably going to post the next opportunity for the community outreach um, tomorrow or the day after, and then we're going to go after the next target. Okay. Christian, do you see any feedback whether or not we should keep going? Uh, all I'm seeing is keep going. So the people are really enjoying hearing from you. Um, I'm, I'm happy to if, uh, if you feel like it would be beneficial. I don't know if there's a particular time you want me to cut it off or just keep going and you tell me when to cut it off. Yeah, I mean, just, just keep going. I would say uh, as, okay. soon, as soon as we drop below 100 listeners, uh, then we're going to okay. slowly transition um, out. Okay, sounds good. Um, so one of the things that jumping into the next uh, topic, which would be the love means zero homework. And this really gets to something that uh, you've really impressed upon me and, and several of us in the leadership team, but also um, obviously the community as a whole. And this is the ability to have very direct, very open communication without fear of um, feelings getting hurt or, or someone feeling like they should have been uh, handled in a different way or, or, you know, coddled for lack of a better term. One of the things is the only option and you even highlighted it at the end of the homework when you asked, how did he break off the relationship with Andre Agassi? Because it was, it was very quick and, you know, it was a letter and it's done. Uh, to what extent is that lack of, um, like you said, concern for what other people are going to think and, and that drive towards one goal important? And how much would you take away from, from Nick and say, well, 
maybe things could have been handled a little differently if you were in business rather than in a sport. It's also a difficult um, question to answer. Let, let me give you a few different angles. One very important aspect or one trait which I've seen in a variety of successful people is that they don't care how information is conveyed to them and they can get over anyone's personality to hear the message. And most people do not have the capability to hear the message despite the messenger potentially rubbing them, them the wrong way. Too many people get offended by how something is said. And to successful people, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you say it. Just give me the information. It, it really does not matter how you package it. And I also understand, you know, there's obviously a certain expectation of being respectful and you know yeah you have a, you have to um hold yourself to certain standards to you know not push it too far um the thing which and it's not an excuse you know it, it's just the way things work people like nick and other successful people they don't think that much they just act and I think he says that as well, uh, you know, throughout the movie, where he just acts and makes decisions. He does not think about the consequences. He does not think about how could it affect other people. And it might not be the best trait. You know, admittedly, you, you, you are probably better off being able, finding a balance on, you know, how to talk to certain people or, you know, how to convey things. But the issue here is... And I, you know, I find myself in, in a similar position many times as well, where you have to make dozens and even hundreds of decisions very frequently, very quickly and very decisively. And you will never, ever be able to always, in all instances, make the right decision. You're going to make mostly the right decisions if you're succeeding that means that you're probably in 80% of the cases you, you make the right decisions, but there will always be a certain percentage where you make the wrong decision. And then the question is, you know, regardless of how much you ponder about your decisions, you're not going to be able to, to get to hundred percent anyways. So do you want to spend an inordinate amount of time contemplating and pondering and then maybe increasing your 80% to 85%? Or do you just want to count on speed and decisiveness and outwork and outperform everyone in that regard? And I can tell you with, with, with certainty that if I had pondered about all the decisions which I made, then we would still be in phase one minute. And, you know, the speed in which you make decisions is something which is going to differentiate yourself from all of your competition and from everyone who hasn't even started taking action yet. And to, to make the segue back to, you know, reading books, I would encourage everyone to never in your life 
read more than five books on doing business, being successful or whatever it is, what you want to do, you have to pick at most five books and then you start taking action. You stop reading and then you start taking action because there's diminishing returns and there's, it's very easy to mistake reading for taking action. And this is the, the trap of self-development where you are encouraged to buy the next course, to buy the next course, to buy the next course and to listen to the next book and you're never ever encouraged to take action because you are a customer and a customer is the best customer if he becomes an addict and if he keeps pursuing the next secret and the next material which gets him to the next level. So you have to be very strict with how quickly you make decisions, how much material you consume and how much action you take. And I highly encourage everyone to just read less, think less, and take more action. Because even if it leads to failure, at least you failed fast and you didn't spend too much time wasting your time. And I think that really gets to really the next topic of uh, the backwards bicycle is the types of things that are in our head that we would be thinking through that we don't even realize were planted there. Um, how much of what's in our head that holds us back do you think is just things that we're born with and how much of it are things that have been placed into us by society and our education and, um, you know, the community around us that, that keep us trapped in these old ways of thinking and, and not breaking through. Let me answer this with a question. Is there a limit to how much a child can dream or to a child's imagination? No, I don't think so. Would you say there's limitations to an adult's imagination? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so I would say nothing you're being born with holds you back in, in any regard. I think the truest form of potential is right when you are born and then it becomes a fight between your parents either doing a great job and helping you realize your potential and balancing that against the impact society and the educational system have or being in a position where you know, you have to grow to a certain age and then making sure that you yourself expose yourself to the right people or to the right information to be in a position where you can break out of the boundaries which have been set in place either by your socioeconomic uh, environment uh, or your parents, for example. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the obviously the real pushes in this homework of the backwards bicycle was what you can do to get out of that mindset and then the actual mindset you need to change. And I think that's something where some of our students got um, caught up a little bit because some of the answers for what are you going to take away from this was 
I'm going to brush my teeth with the opposite hand or, um, and obviously there are practices that may help you get out of that mindset, but I'd be interested to know more acutely, what are the things, what are the most common bad habits you see in crypto and um, members that are coming into VVV for the first time that are really uh, that mindset that needs to be changed or those barriers that need to be broken through? And a, and a follow-up would be, are there things that you've had to change in you specifically that in order to be successful? Well, let's just go back briefly to the example with the guy brushing his teeth with the other hand. It actually can be that easy. There are actual studies out there, and, and I don't know the exact disease, but there's a there's a psychological disease out there which people get treated for with severe medication. And then there's a study where if they, and it might be something like migraine or, or something like that, where if they wear an eye patch over their left eye, it completely alleviates the disease. So all you have to do is wear an eye patch for, I don't know, a certain amount of hours per week, and then you're pretty much cured. But the you know, um, pharmaceutical industry or the pharma industry is um, you know, obviously not susceptible to that approach and treatment because it, it, it destroys the revenue stream. So you, know, you cannot break free of certain habits because they either are kept, and I, I hate using the word, but they are kept secret or they do not get promoted enough for you to take it seriously. And please, please repeat the, the, the two uh, follow-up questions. Yeah, so I was just gonna, um, uh, what I would add to that is, uh, are, what are the most common bad habits you see in uh, maybe folks in the crypto space in general or folks that are newly coming into VVV that need to be broken uh, and, and specifically thought patterns. And then are there any things that you've had to break either habits physically or mentally that helped you become more successful? One thing which is important to understand is that the crypto space is only a reflection of society and it exaggerates certain traits i.e. it provides an easier way for criminals to take your money without um, any means for um, redemption from the people who get tricked or scammed. And in terms of the habits, um, it's really the most obvious one is chasing the easy way out. That's probably the people are so susceptible to scams, no one, it's an obvious, um, it's an obvious uh, pyramid scheme and people for the life of it do not realize that it's actually a pyramid scheme until it's too late. And one of the famous examples is obviously Luna. And it, it's something which, which really bothers me is when people think that 20% uh, APY is something that anyone could possibly imagine to be safe. In the real world, anything past 3% is incredibly risky. So how on earth would something exist which yields 20% and 
and is considered safe. In my opinion, and this, this might offend a lot of people, but in my opinion, everyone who lost the money deserved to lose their money because they bought into something which simply is not possible to exist. And even if something has 1% return, the return you get always, always, always represents the degree of risk associated with that kind of an investment. No matter how much interest or how little interest you earn, it always represents a certain degree of risk. And now you see, if you put money in the bank, they charge you interest because now the risk is on them. So there is no thing as any form of a safe return and especially not anything that's as high as 20% or you know, however high um, the yield from Luna was. And regarding the habits um, I had to change for myself, I think most of them I, I changed um, before setting up my business. Um, the most difficult one for me to overcome is probably, well, not anymore, but at the time was probably procrastination. And again, diluting yourself that you're taking action by watching a video or reading a book or whatever. And if you look at YouTube, for example, what is the most popular video or what are the most watched videos on YouTube? It's videos of cats. So <laughs> humanity has a propensity to procrastinate. And it's made very easy for you to do so because especially if you have a job, you come home, you're exhausted, you just want to relax and then you spend your rest of the day doing nothing. And the very, one very interesting thing which I learned uh, and which is something which you, you have to consistently remind yourself of is the more you do, the more you can do. And that goes... Uh, that goes uh, for both uh, for two topics. So, in building a business, for example, or in in um, for example, starting off as a freelancer and just making some money for yourself, the more effort you put into something, the more effort it's going to allow you to put into it. Meaning, initially, the most the biggest hurdle you will have is finding your first client. So now you have to exert a lot of effort to finding that, that first client. But if you put enough effort in, then you will find one or two clients. And then you put all that effort into delivering whatever you promised those two uh, clients to deliver for them. And that in return is going to open up more doors to get more clients. And you will see that initially you had to uh, exert a lot of effort for very minimal return where you only got one or two clients and you know that was maybe minimal pay or maybe even work for free but once you get the ferris wheel going like the more you effort you put in the more of a result you will get in return and therefore you're going to be much more motivated to keep exerting that effort and the same is true for working out for example where if you only go to the gym once per week, for example, or once per month, you go once and then you're going to be sore for the rest of the week and you're probably not going to go again anytime soon. 
But once you get used to going to the gym every day, it's much easier to go every day than just go once per week. Once you start doing things every day, it, it's so much easier to, to just keep going. So the, the biggest hurdle and the strongest habit you can build is getting into a good routine. I think a good routine can alleviate a lot of bad habits and it can incentivize you to keep chasing the good habits because the, the more energy you put into the good habits, the more they're going to re reward you and the easier it's going to be for you to stay focused and to stay true to those good habits. And to give you a personal example, for me, it's more difficult to not work out than to actually work out. And the same with eating healthy, for example, it's, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't eat uh, at McDonald's or at KFC, even if someone paid me to, that there's like, once you get used to, to, to the feeling of feeling healthy and feeling energized and to, to have high energy, to, to look good, you know, why would you ever go back to the bad habits if you know they're going to punish you like right away? And yeah, sometimes you, you get um, seduced to do it anyways, and then you do it and you feel like shit afterwards. So then you ask yourself, God Almighty, why did I even do this in the first place? And then you have to think back and, and, and remind yourself that there's people out there doing this every single day for every single meal. And now you can only imagine how they feel and how little motivation they have to actually change it because it makes you feel so miserable where you, you're, you're so deep into a hole where it's, it's borderline impossible to climb out. I think that's a really, really um, impactful and powerful statement too that um, I think a lot of our students really connected to, but the, the way that you put a fine point on it really even nailed it home for me even more uh, today, which is that this idea of the practice and the mindset are not two separate things where doing something different in practice then makes you think something separate about your mindset. It's really this feedback loop of changing your practice changes your mindset, which changes your practice. And so it's starting that process of building that muscle. Like, like you said, going to the gym, but also in the same way, it's, it's really represented by going to the gym. You're building stronger muscles, and so you won't then go in that same path. You're carving a new way for the, the water to flow. Um, I wanted to connect, too, with something you said about risk, because I know um, in referring to the Luna issue, you talked about the unreasonability uh, of uh, unreasonableness of betting on that but also if you look at for instance the walt disney homework or many of the investments that vbv makes it's take being willing to take large risks for large rewards disney kept pouring everything he had into the next effort and then it would fail and he would have to pick himself up again marshal all his troops and energy and resources and do it again how do you see risk how do you approach what is appropriate risk 
versus inappropriate risk and and what is it like to face that huge risk i know you you shared with me one time um this idea of kind of staring into the the abyss and, and chewing glass um what what is appropriate risk and uh how how do you approach taking really large risks the question you always have to ask is what can you possibly get in return and i see the question from john in our service well um and i'm just going to read it out so he's saying wait isn't sean contradicting himself now 20 percent yield for luna is risky impossible but what does that say about us expecting consistent 10x on our targets so <clears throat> you know you only get a 20 percent yield for risking all of your capital that's a terrible trade because you're risk you're, you're risking a lot of money to make very little money the logic behind the expect expectations of having a 10x 100x or 1000x return is that you know the moment you make that investment you can potentially lose everything you are 100 percent aware that this is a possibility and the biggest misconception about the the luna thing was that people didn't think that they could lose everything if they knew that that would be a possibility no one would have done it so that's the the biggest difference here is where if you know what you're getting into, then that's completely fine because then you have at least made the risk risk assessment. But if you dilute yourself that there is no risk, then you're not going to make the right decision or you're not going to make the sensible decision. On on all, all of the investments which we make, even after all diligence, I'm always aware that there are a plethora of different variables on which we have no impact on and on which even the project themselves has no impact on. So there will always be a likelihood of something failing. But we know that before we make that investment, we are 100% aware that it could, it could very well fail. So if you are making that assessment and then make that choice, that's completely fine. But not being aware of the risk or ignoring the risk and then thinking that something is safe, that's very detrimental. Absolutely. And um, one, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so, so because you, you asked about the you know, risk in general in life. Yes. You know, being alive itself is a risk. And there is no life without risk. And if there were a life without risk, it would be boring. And there would be nothing which would allow you to feel any sort of an excitement. There has to be risk and pain in everything. There has to be ups and downs for the ups to actually mean something. And the same thing for those, uh, you know, those investments which we arrange where we do everything in our power. We spend an inordinate amount of money and time to do our due diligence and to make sure that the risk is as low as humanly possible on all the investments which we make. And the upside is as high as, as it could possibly be but there's still and there will always will be a risk that things go wrong so this goes back to you know a, a piece of advice which i've given when we very you know when we first started which is never ever put all of your money in one opportunity try to get some of your money in most of the opportunities 
And then, of course, you, you can make decisions based on your liking, based on your, on your gut feeling, based on your own research. But never ever, especially especially when you fall in love with a certain project, be very aware of the risk which still comes with that. Like even some of the projects which I'm most passionate about, I, I'm very well aware that there's a hundred things which no one has control over, which could always lead to the, the project failing. So to to come to to um, to a point of you know re taking risk in general, the people who get ahead in the world are the ones who take risk, and the people in the world who get paid the most are the ones who either took the most risk during their careers, or who are those in a position where they have to make decisions which expose them to an extra, extraordinary amount of potential downside. So someone, uh, you know, a hedge fund manager who manages billions and billions of dollars, the downside and the risk when he makes a, a wrong decision is incredibly high. So of course he's going to get paid and, uh, you know, um, uh, an amount of money which reflects that. and. In all of the positions in the financial sector and in the business world in general, whoever gets paid the most has either exerted the most amount of effort to get there, to then be in a position where the decisions he makes are made in a manner which decrease risk and therefore increase the upside for everyone else, or they um, are the only ones who were willing at a certain point in time to even take the risk to pursue that certain idea or to pursue that business. And, uh, you know, a good example is um, Elon Musk with Tesla, for example, where everyone, every single person on the planet or every single person in his, uh, uh, every single friend he had, every single family member, all of them told him that he is going to fail. And he was the only one willing to take that enormous risk and then he's also getting exponentially rewarded for it and the same position is that uh, you are going to be in the same position as an investor where if you invest into something at a point in time where other people are reserved of doing that investment then if the thing succeeds obviously you're going to be the one who's going to get rewarded the most because you made that investment when no one else believed in the project if something, if something is already, in quotes, a safe bet, then, of course, everyone, everyone wants to get their money in. And then the terms for the deal are going to be much more um, in the favor of the project themselves and not in your favor. So there's always going to be that same dynamic in all of the investments which we make where we might want more information to make the decision more comfortably, potentially, but the more comfort you have or the more certainty you're going to have in your decision-making, the less of a return you can expect. Because if you make decisions while everyone else is fearful, then you're also going to reap the biggest rewards. And again, it's the same with the, the, the logic in crypto investments in general. Everyone knows the, the quote, uh, be greedy when everyone else is fearful and be restrictive with your capital when everyone else is greedy. 
Yeah, and you touched on there uh, something that I think you really wanted us to focus on in the Walt Disney homework, which was this idea of what role we have in our family and those closest to us have in our success and how we integrate work and life into one rather than seeing them as, as two separate things. One of the, the big points in Walt Disney's life that there was some, maybe some disagreement or, or struggle with for our students was this idea of how he dealt with tragedy. And some people felt he dealt with it really well. Others felt, no, he, he moved on too quick or, or something to that extent. Can you talk to us a little bit about work and life as one and, and how you have approached tragedy or, or things that really un, uh, you know, topple the direction you're going in, how you get past those things and, and find the ability to, to keep going? So I've, I've seen that as well. The, the answers um, around Walt Disney were mostly that he had, and and this, I think that that's probably a topic where we can, you know, probably hold a week-long seminar about uh, work-life balance. <laughs> and the students were convinced that he had work-life balance because in, in the movie it was portrayed um, as such. And please make no mistake, Walt Disney was a workaholic and he had time with his family, but the family time he had directly played into what he was building. So he was very fortunate in that what he built actually was something which had direct benefit or which would directly interest his family. The, the biggest hurdle everyone else has to overcome is to find that balance where you still have enough time for the people important in your life, for them to not be upset with you, and for you to still have enough focus on what you're building to be in a position where it's actually going to become successful. And how much balance you're going to have or how much balance you can actually allow yourself to have is going to be greatly impacted by how bodacious your goals are. And for the first, I mean, when I built my business, the first two years, I had very, very little time for my girlfriend, for example. And that has put a lot of strain on the relationship. And you have to have an incredibly loyal and supportive and strong partner on your side who actually lets you do that without either leaving you or giving you an ultimatum that it's either work or it's me. And, you know, unfortunately for my girlfriend, we have, to, oh, you know, we had to go through the exact same thing once again when I first launch the first uh, you know investment initiative and then once the foundation was built there was more balance in, in, in our relationship because I, I you know the team was in place and, and there was less pressure from 100 different angles where you know now there was some sort of a balance unfortunately for reasons which i couldn't influence i had to leave that team 
and do everything once again, all over again, build again a business from the ground up and go through the exact same insane amount of workloads, jump through an infinite amount of hoops to avoid risks and to avoid downfalls and to be sure that I kept everyone happy and to be sure that everyone believes in the project and you know keeps their drive and keeps delivering and, and keeps everyone else accountable and in check. And those periods are extremely painful for yourself. And then depending on who you are surrounded with, it's also going to be painful for the people close to you. Because it's, especially in those high pressure intervals through which you have to go through, there's almost no way around isolating yourself to be able to focus 100% on making it happen. And this, again, it, it comes down to, to speed and being able to act fast. That in many instances, if you do not execute quickly and if you do not execute with 100% focus, it, it's probably going to fail or it's going to take too long and then the community is going to lose interest or the faith of the community is going to decline. And then, you know, it's very easy, especially in, in a big community, for doubt to be shared and for doubt to be um, spread amongst the community. And the, the biggest reason why that happens is, is uh, lack of communication or miscommunication from the leadership or from the team. So as long as you show your presence, as long as everyone sees that you're actually working 24-7, no one is going to doubt you because they see you do what you say and they see you're, you're delivering and you're crazy about what you do. And then once you delivered the very first big milestone or achievement for the community, then you might be able to go back and restore some sort of balance in your, um, you know, in your, in your life. But you also have to be careful with that because if you, if you are not um, very, uh, what's the right term? If you're not very aware of your presence and where you spend time and where you, um, you know, where you instill that balance, it can lead you to become compliant again, and that can happen very, very quickly. You know, you know, if you take a few days off, then you know you think, hey, life is pretty good. Maybe I can take more time off. Maybe I can start watching Netflix again. Maybe I can start watching movies again. And then you start with a TV series and then, you know, all of a sudden you're spending much less time on your business and without you being there, everything starts to fall apart again. Or not again, but, you know, the, the thing becomes um, less strong and has less drive than if you were, be there, uh, if you were to be there. So um, one thing which I took away from the Walt Disney homework personally was that when Walt was with his family, he was 100% present. And this is something which I believe is incredibly important is whenever you have to compromise in terms of work-life balance, where if you spend time with your significant other of the people close to you, then make that time count. Because the time spent 
in my opinion, is not valued by how much time that is in, in minutes or hours, but it's, it's valued by how intense that time is. And if you are present, I believe that you are capable of making even less time be valued very highly by everyone around you. So it does not have to be a tremendous amount of time that you spend with everyone, but if you spend time with someone, make it count. Absolutely. And that that's something that, um, as you and I have discussed before, that I've really taken to heart in, in my interactions with my family because that that balance is, is difficult and, and their expectations are you know, such, and, and you're trying to build and, and grow. And especially if you're working to get out of um, an employee mindset and situation, a lot of times, as you talked about earlier, you're, you're working in extra hours and, and at night and, um, and in time that you might spend with your family. So being incredibly intentional about that time has, has been a huge sea change in, in how uh, I've been able to, to spend good time with my family and, and have it be more valuable. Um, I'm wondering about one of the things that you've mentioned in the chat and also keeps coming up in the homework is this idea of the image of the hard driving, as you put it, the 100% focus of the different founders. And you mentioned somebody, I, I, I think it may have been me, was talking about how wonderful Walt Disney was and, and you cautioned me, look, you know, he had a reputation for ruthlessness when it came down to making sure the, the business succeeded. Um, Steve Jobs certainly has that, that image as well. Um, to what extent is that uh, reputation for ruthlessness well earned and, and is just part of what you have to have for business to be successful and how much of it is, maybe just a, a side effect of people not being used to someone who drives that hard towards a goal. But I think you have the choice of being nice or being effective. I don't think that you can have both. And even if you make, well, if you make harsh decisions, even if you're, package the delivery of, of, of those decisions very nicely, you know, it's still going to be a ruthless decision and it's still going to offend or um, put off whoever is affected by it. So that's the one thing. And the other aspect is that you have to be incredibly passionate about what you do in order for, you know, for you to succeed. So if you are passionate about something, that passion is going to get conveyed either subconsciously or consciously in how you act and how you talk. And if someone becomes a detriment to you being successful or for the overall mission to uh, become reality, then you're going to react a certain way and since you have to have your passion unleashed all the time to keep the drive to make whatever you're building successful, it's going to be very difficult for you to restrict that passion to then potentially reduce the impact or to alter the way 
you address an individual, for example, whom, you know, who might have made a mistake or, you know, who might have gotten in the way or who might not have delivered what, what you expected them to de deliver or, you know, not do it in the way you, you know, expected them to do it, it's going to be super difficult for you to, you know, to be extreme in one regard and then, you know, be not extreme in the other regard. I, I think that's, and, you know, if you then, if you try to do so, I think it's just going to hold you back. And of course, again, there's a, you know, certain degree of uh, professionalism and diplomacy and respect, which you should uphold. Um, but you should also be careful to not restrict your passion because that can very easily lead to you suffocating your main driver. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think uh, that that mindset um, and, and that desire to, no matter what, achieve that goal gets into some of what people struggled with in the Steve Ballmer homework when we talked about the term alpha. Um, that the idea that uh, you see yourself as as the head of the pack, and and you are going to, uh, you know, charge through and lead no matter what the barriers are. But that can also be off putting to those who either don't want to be led or see that as a uh, a toxic quote unquote mindset. When you use the term alpha, what does it mean, and and how should we use it in bettering bettering ourselves? Well, let me answer it. Um, let me only touch on the topic, and then I think we, we call it quits for today, and then we, we start off with that topic um, okay. on the next town hall. But the reason why people get offended by the term alpha is mainly for their survival instinct because alphas in the animal kingdom are the predators and anyone who is not a predator is going to be in fear of the predator right a lion does not fear another lion but a buffalo does fear the lion greatly so if you identify even if it's you know and all of this is subconsciously. Like, if you identify not as an alpha, you're going to be triggered as soon as someone even uses the word. And then if someone behaves like an alpha, you're going to dislike them naturally because you feel that they are a threat to you. And that's, that can be in, in a variety of different regards. Um, the, the, the best example is obviously... Um, you know, maybe most people know this from school, especially the, 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 the men uh, who are listening. If someone is physically stronger than you, and if that person is then bullying you, then you're associating alpha-like behavior with them, and then every time you hear the word alpha, you're going to think back to them, and you're going to have bad emotions triggered inside of you, because that's what you believe to be an alpha, because he was a predator. And that's going to greatly impact your judgment as to what alpha, what being alpha actually means. And 
your likelihood of actually becoming one because it's something which you despise, but it's actually something if it's used and taught in the right way, it's something which is going to have an immensely positive impact on your life. And, and, awesome. you know, and in, in two regards, one is the, the business aspect where there's, you know, all of the people we studied in, in the academy, none of them are betas. Like all of these are alphas. And, and regardless of how you want to define the term and, you know, how you want to justify that someone might not be an alpha male, you know, even the, the most introverted people on the planet, even Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, um, Warren Buffett, um, Charlie Munger, these people might not strike you as alpha males by their appearance, but if you do some research on them, and if you look into the decisions they made and how they made those decisions and especially how they executed on incredibly difficult and sometimes even brutal decisions, these people do not mess around and you do not mess with those people. And they might um, disguise themselves as nice and likable people, but make no mistake, those people are stone cold killers and that's what it takes to climb to the top and whether or not you you you're getting triggered by the term or you know how you define the term that's not going to take anything away from them and you're going to be better off if you feel nothing hearing the term and you don't do not get bothered by how it's defined or who is called one and you much rather just observe the traits these people have and see which one which ones of those you can use to become more effective in your own life. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for um, allowing us this time to learn from uh, the hard-won wisdom that, that you've gained. And um, thank you to the community for listening in. And um, I, I look forward to furthering the conversation in the VVV Academy. And um, if, you have any questions that you'd like uh, asked the next time we do these interviews, feel free to uh, send them directly to me via DM. And um, thank you again, Sean. I really enjoyed it. No, thank you, Christian. I appreciate your time. And it was, it was super enjoyable. I, I very much prefer that dynamic over me just talking solo for an hour. <laughs> so I hope that we can repeat it next week. Uh, it was, it was great to have you and to have your, dark voice uh, <laughs> mixing in with mine. I think that makes it more exciting to listen to. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you for listening in. I hope I see you next week. We are going to arrange the Snickerdoodle raffle early next week. Then you guys are going to be able to purchase the respective tickets according to how many NFTs you hold. And then we're going to announce the winners as well in the next town hall meeting. All right. Thank you once again. And let's talk soon. This recording has been prepared and made available by VVV. It is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a solicitation to sell, buy or subscribe to any financial instruments or products. 
VVV does not express any opinion as to the present or future price of any instrument mentioned in this recording. The information provided in this recording is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published, but VVV, along with its directors, officers and employees, does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of this information as it may change in the future without notice. Any decision made by a party after listening to this recording shall be on the basis of its own research and not based on the information and opinions provided by VVV.